Welcome to Old Treasures Made New, your devotional podcast on the go or at home, where we read the scriptures and reflect on them with those from the past. Today we're reading Matthew 15, verses 29 to 39, and then through J.C. Ryle's expository thoughts on Matthew. Please take a moment to pause and to ask the Holy Spirit to bring understanding and to apply what we hear. Matthew, chapter 15, verses 29 to 39. Jesus went on from there and walked beside the Sea of Galilee. And he went up on the mountain and sat down there. And great crowds came to him, bringing with them the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others. And they put them at his feet, and he healed them, so that the crowd wondered when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled healthy, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. Then Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now for three days and have nothing to eat. And I am unwilling to send them away hungry, lest they faint on the way. And the disciples said to him, Where are we to get enough bread in such a desolate place to feed so great a crowd? And Jesus said to them, How many loaves do you have? And they said, Seven, and a few small fish. And directing the crowd to sit down on the ground, he took the seven loaves and the fish, and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds, and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up seven baskets full of the broken pieces left over. Those who ate were four thousand men, besides women and children. And after sending away the crowds, he got into the boat and went to the region of Magadan. This is the word of the Lord. The beginning of this passage contains three points which deserve our special attention. For the present, let us dwell exclusively on them. In the first place, let us remark how much more pain people take about the relief of their bodily diseases than about their souls. We read that great multitudes came to him, having with them the lame, blind, mute, maimed, and many others, And many of them, no doubt, had journeyed many miles and gone through great fatigues. Nothing is so difficult and troublesome as to move sick people. But the hope of being healed was in sight. Such hope is everything to a sick man. We know little of human nature if we wonder at the conduct of these people. We need no wonder at all. They felt that health was the greatest of earthly blessings. They felt that pain was the hardest of all trials to bear. There is no arguing against sense. A man feels his strength failing. He sees his body wasting and his face becomes pale. He is sensible and his appetite is leaving him. He knows, in short, that he is ill and needs a physician. Show him a physician within reach, who is said never to fail in working cures, and he will go to him without delay. Let us, however, not forget that our souls are far more diseased than our bodies and learn a lesson from the conduct of these people. Our souls are afflicted with a malady far more deep-seated, far more complicated, far more hard to cure than any ailment that flesh is heir to. They are, in fact, plague-stricken by sin. They must be healed and healed effectually or perish everlastingly. 
Do we really know this? Do we feel it? Are we alive to our spiritual disease? Alas, there is but one answer to these questions. The bulk of mankind do not feel it at all. Their eyes are blinded. They are utterly insensible to their danger. For bodily health, they crowd the waiting rooms of doctors. For bodily health, they take long journeys to find purer air. But for their soul's health, they take no thought at all. Happy indeed is that man or woman who has found out his soul's disease. Such a one will never rest until he has found Jesus. Troubles may seem nothing to him. Life, life eternal is at stake. He will count all things loss that he may win Christ and be healed. In the second place, let us remark the marvelous ease and power with which our Lord healed all who were brought to him. We read that the multitude wondered when they saw the mute speaking, injured whole, lame walking, and blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. Behold in these words a lively emblem of our Lord Jesus Christ's power to heal sin-diseased souls. There is no ailment of heart that he cannot cure. There is no form of spiritual complaint he cannot overcome. The fever of lust, the cancer of the love of the world, the slow consumption of laziness and sloth, the heart disease of unbelief, all, all give way when he sends forth his spirit on any one of the children of men. He can put a new song in a sinner's mouth and make him speak with love of that gospel which he once ridiculed and blasphemed. He can open the eyes of a man's understanding and make him see the kingdom of God. He can open the ears of a man and make him willing to hear his voice and follow him wherever he goes. He can give power to a man who once walked in the broad way that leads unto destruction, to walk in the way of life. He can make hands that once were instruments of sin serve him and do his will. The time of miracles is not yet past. Every conversion is a miracle. Have we ever seen a real instance of conversion? Let us know that we saw it in the hand of Christ. We should have seen nothing really greater if we had seen our Lord making the dumb to speak and lame to walk when he was on earth. In the third place, let us remark the abundant compassion of our Lord Jesus Christ. We read that Jesus summoned his disciples and said, I have compassion on the multitude. A great crowd of men and women is always a solemn sight. It should stir our hearts to feel that each is a dying sinner, and each has a soul to be saved. None ever seems to have felt so much when he saw a crowd as Christ. It is a curious and striking fact that of all the feelings experienced by our Lord when upon earth, there is none so often mentioned as compassion. His joy, his sorrow, his thankfulness, his anger, his wonder, his zeal are all occasionally recorded, but none of these feelings are so frequently mentioned as compassion. The Holy Spirit seems to point out to us that this was the distinguishing feature of his character and the predominant feeling of his mind when he was among men. Nine times over, 
to say nothing of expressions and parables. Nine times over, the Spirit has caused that word compassion to be written in the Gospels. There is something very touching and instructive in this circumstance. Nothing is written by chance in the Word of God. There is a very special reason for the selection of every single expression. That word, compassion, no doubt, was specially chosen for our prophet. It ought to encourage all who are hesitating about beginning to walk in God's ways. Let them remember that their Savior is full of compassion. He will receive them graciously. He will forgive them freely. He will remember their former iniquities no more. He will abundantly supply all their needs. Let them not be afraid. Christ's mercy is a deep well of which no one ever found the bottom. It ought to comfort the saints and servants of the Lord when they feel weary. Let them call to mind that Jesus is full of compassion. He knows what a world it is in which they live. He knows the body of a man and all its frailties. He knows the devices of their enemy, the devil, and the Lord pities his people. Let them not be downcast. They may feel that weakness, failure, and imperfection are stamped on all that they do, but let them not forget that word which says, His compassions fail not. Lamentations 3 verse 22. That is the end of Ryle's expository thoughts for these verses. Let us carefully consider what we've heard today, and may the Lord be pleased to bring the growth for His glory.